Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing OnboardNWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at OnboardNWA.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. Hey folks, today I have a great episode in store for you on I Am Northwest Arkansas. I had the chance to sit down with Chef Jason Paul and Danielle Ribato from Heirloom in Rogers. I went up to that beautiful 1907 building there in downtown Rogers and sat down with this couple that is doing some amazing things in the culinary world here in Northwest Arkansas. So I hope you like this particular episode. Let me know what you think and stay tuned until the end of the episode to learn how you can get a coveted seat at the restaurant Heirloom in Rogers. Cue the music. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilbur. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I am your host, Randy Wilburn. And today, as always, I have a special guest for you. Actually, it's guests plural. Uh, I'm sitting here in the 
really cozy. It, it actually feels like a ski chalet in here, you know, but, 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 uh, it's, it's just very cozy. I walked in, I was like, wow. I mean, they've got a snake plant in the corner. They've got just this, just the vibe and the feng shui of this place is really cool. Um, haven't eaten here yet, but that's, that's going to change soon. But I am here in Rogers, Arkansas, downtown Rogers, where, where everything happens with chef Jason Paul and his partner, Danielle Roboto. And yes. she, and and Jason and Danielle are the proprietors here for Heirloom, which for those of you that have probably heard about it but never seen it or just heard whispers about how amazing the food is, it's probably one of the hottest tickets, hottest culinary tickets in Northwest Arkansas when it comes to um, a, a table and getting and, and sitting down and eating. And uh, one thing that I like to say is that uh, I love to eat. And there, there, you can see that in my girth, and and so I always make fun of myself as far as that's concerned. And 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 I would make a show just about food, but then I would be a house, and I don't know if I, I, I want to do that. That's why I love the fact that I do podcasts and not TV, so you don't have to look at me every day. But no, and I, oh, I you're looking good. No, I pl- I appreciate that. No, in, in all seriousness, no, though. Jason, Paul, uh, Danielle, thank you guys so much for for agreeing to come on this podcast. I know this has been a long time coming, but I just want to introduce you to my audience, especially for those that have only heard the whispers about Heirloom. We appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. Man, appreciate you uh, having us. Thanks for coming out to do it. This is really cool. Thank you. Yeah, not a problem. So why don't you guys, why don't we get started talking a little bit about Heirloom and about your superhero origin story, Jason, uh, to, to kind of share with the audience. I, I know a little bit about your background, You're originally from Phoenix, but why don't you tell the audience how you got here to where you are today with a, an extremely successful restaurant in downtown Rogers in an area that's just growing by leaps and bounds and a beautiful building, mind you. Where, building is wonderful. Where Onyx Coffee is located, and yes. uh, or I, I should say the Onyx Coffee Labs. The yeah, lab. the headquarters. Yeah, the, the headquarters. HQ. It sounds a little bit more more um, more impressive that way. <laughs> yeah, throw that HQ on yeah, there. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and we're going to hear from Danielle, and um, I'd love for them to learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, well, um, it's a short and long story, a lot of gray hair. Um, no, I mean, I started cooking when I was 14. Uh, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, um, so I'm kind of a desert kid at heart. Um, and I started watching some shows like after school, um, great chefs on PBS, um, Graham care, Jacques Pepin, Ming Tsai, uh, Ming Tsai. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely all the kind of like guys who are now sort of the OGs of, right. uh, uh, of either food network or have even passed on. Um, and so I was like, Oh, that looks, you know, pretty cool and pretty fun. And I started kind of just dabbling at home, um, because both my parents work. So I'd come home and it was either like, you know, pizza hut or, make something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it looked really easy, which it wasn't, but, uh, I thought maybe it was like, Oh, I could do that. And, uh, anyway, so I started like reading magazines and books and my parents were super cool and like bought me, you know, magazine subscriptions back then the internet was non-existent. Right. So, um, you know, this is like 1995, I guess. And, uh, yeah. So I just, I went to a book signing for a, for a, book that I had read uh, by a guy named Coleman Andrews and just randomly in front of me there was a there was a chef uh, waiting in line as well who was actually friends with the author and knew him or whatever and 
my dad mainly got to talking to him and so did I, I guess I was a little shy and, you know, he found out that I like cooking and said, Hey, you know, if you want to come in and, and hang out in the kitchen, you know, here's my card. And uh, his name was Alex Strada. Um, and I just didn't know at the time the level of chef that he was or the, the level of the restaurant that he was the, the, the chef of. And, uh, so I did, I, I, I did go into that kitchen uh, one day after school and, um, that's kind of where it all started. I went once and was, absolutely scared shitless uh and um you know it was a lot and i and then i realized pretty quick that it was you know not just like burger king this was like serious serious stuff right and um and i realized immediately that i knew nothing about what i thought was easy um and so i started going there like once a month after school and then it was like once every couple weeks and then pretty soon i was just going to this um restaurant like multiple days a week after I would get out of high school. I was a sophomore and uh, I did that, um, till I graduated high school and then, uh, followed that chef to Las Vegas and helped open a restaurant there called Renoir, which uh, was, it was 1999. And, uh, that, that restaurant was a sister restaurant to a restaurant that's still open in the Bellagio in Las Vegas called Picasso. They had Picasso's, we had Renoir's and, um, it was, it was quite a, quite an experience so that was that was the beginning and then from there it's just been uh a lot of other jobs and a lot of areas of the industry and here we are so you as they as they would say you probably you got your bones in the industry the right way i mean you you cut your teeth early you were 15 basically i did i started when i was 14 i worked there for free actually because it was kind of one of those things where it was like you're hanging around here a lot are you serious about this? Like what's going on? You know? And, um, it was kind of a, a mutual, like, yes, I will come and do whatever you ask. And if you give me like the knowledge, I'll, you know, be here probably to my detriment as much as possible. <laughs> um, and so I did, I used to stay really late, you know, it'd be 10, 11, you know, for a while, my parents were having to drive me and pick me up. Then I started driving when I turned 16 and, um, yeah, I'd come home, you know, well after midnight and, you know, went to school at, whatever 6 45 or 7 in the morning back then and um yeah and i did that for free till i turned 16 when you're actually legally old enough to work and then i think they started paying me something you know like six something an hour and that was that <laughs> wow that i mean i love hearing stories like that because uh, part of the thing that i i like doing is and I, I don't know who's listening to this but i'm always telling my kids i have three boys that you know sometimes you have to you know get some skin in the game you do yeah you you do and you know the thing is i think for people that are a little bit you know this was like like calling working in a kitchen is not really it's it's like a young man's sport in a way so you know most of the people that are cooking in there working 80 hours a week you know they're anywhere from 20 to probably 40 years old and then you know you start getting into you know chef positions or management positions it's, it's younger now because people are into food because of food network and things but um you know i think those people often like underestimate what uh, you know, people of the youth can do and can remember and can like absorb. And honestly, you know how it is. It's like with sports, you start young and you get like better at it faster than if you started at 40 or 50. Um, so it's just kind of one of those things where I'm not saying I was like amazing at it, but I just, I, I caught on to it and I had like the energy still cause I was young to not, you know, I could do things for a long time and not be like tired out by it. And I think, um, you know, maybe we underestimate what, what kids can do, uh, often and don't give them enough credit for like, if they want to do something, you know, they can probably do it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I think, um, the important aspect behind that comment is simply that, um, a lot of times if you create an opportunity for a young person to try something, 
that they haven't done before and, and just yes. kind of keep reinforcing it. Cause I, I would assume that your, your, your parents were obviously reinforcing what you were doing. Well, they were supportive of it also, you know, somewhat like concerned because, um, you know, I kind of disappeared and I was in a place with a bunch of, you know, mid twenties guys and, um, you know, kitchens are notoriously a little bit, uh, you know, iffy as far as content goes. Right, and right. so I was hearing things and seeing things that I'm sure they weren't excited about. And then of course the, the whole like, Hey, I don't really want to go to college thing came up. And at the time I was going to an all guys Jesuit high school, Brophy college preparatory, which was literally like a school that you went to just to get into a really good college. Right. And, um, probably somewhere towards the end of my sophomore year when it was kind of time to start thinking about, enrolling for the next year i was sort of like i just want to go to public school and want to like focus on cooking and i think you know people kids get into things and then they're over them in two years too so uh, i don't that was definitely a little bit of a harder sell um and that that chef alex strata uh he he ended up coming to talk to my parents and was kind of like hey you know i think maybe he's got something don't let's not you know, if he doesn't need to go to culinary school or whatever, maybe he can just stick around here and we can like teach him, you know, and you can save some money and we'll, we'll take care of him basically, which was very uh, commendable of him. To yeah, do. absolutely. He was almost like your Obi-Wan Kenobi. He, yeah. he was definitely the mentor, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm sad to say we've lost touch a little bit, you know, years go by and right. things happen, but, uh, I definitely wouldn't be, you know, doing what I'm doing if it weren't for that, you know, five, six year window with him. So it definitely changed everything. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so here you are. Did, I mean, would you in a million years see yourself at this place where you are here at heirloom? Um, I mean, yes and no, you know, there's cooking's a, a, a tough, a tough game, you know? And so I think anyone who's done it for a long time has had moments where they've kind of fallen out of it a little bit or taken a break or, you know, maybe focused on something else, uh, for a little bit, because it's definitely a stressful industry, no doubt about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of, it's weird. You know, I think I was literally voted like most likely to be a chef in high school or something, you know, Were I was, you really? I was in like a, I saw a picture of myself, you know, from my yearbook and I was like wearing a chef coat. It was really weird. I'm like, why did I do that? I was <laughs> no wonder everyone thought I was like a loser, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so I, um, it wasn't what it is, you know, now, now being a chef is like cool. Back oh, then it was kind of like, yeah, you know, don't come out, stay in the back. <laughs> don't talk to anybody. Don't let them see you. You right. know, it's a totally different world back then. So oh it wasn't God. really for like the glory when, when I started doing it. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I mean, honestly, so I guess no, but also yes. Cause it's kind of like what I was supposed to be doing from an early age. So. Wow. I, I certainly applaud you for that. I mean, I think that's that's the perfect example of people talking talking about an overnight sensation. It's like, oh, all they see is the finished product. Yes. So the finished product for you right now is, I mean, months and months of backed up reservations, um, a restaurant that you can barely get into, if ever. Wild. And uh, <laughs> the food is just amazing. Anyone that you talk to, every every local um, beat writer that covers rest, the restaurant scene has spoken highly about heirloom. And I hate to actually even just get my audience so excited about the food, but they understand <laughs> that they, they actually may never set foot in this restaurant. <laughs> Eventually, no, eventually, yeah. eventually, yeah. So I, I'm being funny about that, but I mean, it's just it's <laughs> sure. Just, no there doubt. is there is that excitement that's there, though, and it, it's I mean, definitely something that I feel 
I mean, of course, you know, Danielle and I have worked really hard to like make it what it is, but, um, that portion of it is almost kind of like taken on its own, you know, it's sort of doing our thing. Yeah. (laughs) We're, we're here, you know, when, as you see, you're inside of it, it's a very small environment. You know, we spend a lot of hours in here and, you know, sometimes I don't want to say you feel isolated, but you know, you're just doing your thing in here working and, uh, you know, what happens outside the walls or what people say is sometimes, uh, Maybe we, we know about it, but it's yeah. not like, you know, I don't know. It feels we're very grateful that that's happened. That's kind of happened on its own, you know, yeah. and that's what's cool is it wasn't, you know, something that we really bought or paid for or, or anything. Forced. It just kind of has happened on its own, which is cool. Yeah, you can't manufacture this kind of stuff. And I've always told people that I think your gift makes room for you. And obviously, you, you've had a gift for a very long time, and uh-huh. it is slowly making room. Now, if you just make some more room in this room, we, we, <laughs> right. we'd be good. Right? Yeah, some right. more I, need that, and, I need that second yeah, floor, we, the staircase. It would be good. So, <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you mentioning Danielle and, 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 and your partnership, um, both from a relational perspective, but also in helping you get this business off the ground. But Daniel, why don't you just tell uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Because actually, the only reason I got to Jason was through Danielle. Now, Danielle contorted me like a pretzel in one of her <laughs> local yoga classes mm-hmm. at Trailside. Big shout out to Trailside Woo! there yeah. in um, in Fayetteville. And, and actually, Danielle's a, a very good friend of a close friend of mine, Melissa Swan. And I'll give her a quick shout out. Up, Melissa's Melissa? awesome. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Melissa is awesome. And, and uh, she was a former colleague of mine. And we're still very close friends. And I've always said it's always about relationships. Mm-hmm. It's not what you know; it's who you know. Yeah, especially in this in this uh, community, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it's very very tight knit. It's Ab- really cool. Absolutely. So, without further ado, Daniel, why don't you just tell tell our audience a little bit about yourself and you know what are you doing to to make what what we see on a regular basis from heirloom be so great? Oh, well, I don't even know where to begin, but <laughs> yeah, we met through yoga, and I've been doing that for ten years. But before that, I have been in the food industry for 20 years um working front of house in arizona also that is not when we knew each other though um so it kind of came like a natural fit when we started this i just fell into working together he needed a server and i jumped in so now after the evolution over the few years i do front of house management curating the wine list answering all your emails a really really good wine list by the way yeah yeah, yeah. we're pretty pumped She's on that done a good job jason helps with that too tasted a lot of wine <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that so you um, know. but yeah just everything from the moment you walk in the door to making sure that you guys have everything you need so jason can do his thing you know, it was funny. Um, before I came up here, I was meeting with somebody downstairs uh, here in the, in the coffee shop. And for those of you that don't know that are listening, the the heirloom uh, restaurant is based physically inside the building here uh, for the Onyx Coffee Lab. Yeah, the 1907 the building. The 1907 building, which is at 102? 101. 101. East Walnut. East Walnut, right. Yeah. Which is right on the Rogers Square. And for those of you that aren't really familiar with Rogers, you need to get down here. The downtown area looks like a movie. Movie set. It really does. It does. I mean, it, you know, you, it has the very like charming it, it, cobblestone it, it, streets. It totally and it just does. has it. And I met with some of the folks from the Convention and Visitors Bureau, and they were showing me some of the renderings of what they plan to do with this area. And that's it's incredible. That's gonna. That's why I'm like, you know, just thinking about that. It's you know, people are gonna be clamoring 
to get in here once they realize what's here. So. Yeah, a couple of years from now, I think downtown is, I mean, it's already come a long way. If you talk to some people who've been down here for a long time, you know, right. they already see a massive change. But in the next couple of years, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. It will be, yeah. So, but I, I wanted to get back to something that you mentioned, Danielle, because it's 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 actually a theme that I, I've brought up quite a bit. And, and for those that are listening to the podcast, I actually cut my teeth in a restaurant at a young age, not as a chef. But just working, like you say, front of house. And I learned it's part of my hustle and the ability to just get out there and connect with people was I got exposed to waiting tables at an early base, at an early yeah. age. And that for me was a game changer. Yeah, yeah. it breaks down a lot of those communication barriers. Oh, which for is, sure. Which I was is a what shy kid. Struggle with. Yeah, <laughs> yes. which is what people struggle with. But I remember the woman that it was a it was a it was an old, really well done restaurant. It was called Cliff and Ann's in Teaneck, New Jersey. Big shout out to those guys. They're both still alive. They're still around, but they don't have the restaurant any longer. But Cliff and Ann taught me a lot about the industry. And Cliff was an amazing, he was from Jamaica. He was an amazing chef. And he, you know, it was the kind of place where, you know, and I don't know if you guys do this here, but at the end of the night, he'd bring everybody together for a family dinner and you'd eat afterwards after everything was cleaned up. I mean, that's kind of how you do it in some of these old school restaurants. Absolutely. uh, But that's where I cut my teeth, but I never... I'll never forget Anne kind of walking me through and saying, okay, well, this is your section. This is your business. This is your, this, you need to take care of these folks. And what you make and what you earn will be directly correlated to your ability to take really good care of these folks. And I, you know, I've been, I I want my kids to, at some point in time, um, wait tables because I think to me, it's one of the purest forms of understanding relationship and communication. Absolutely. And delivering on what you promise. Yeah, it's right. a great life well skill. Well said. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. am I right, though? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it really is. It, it would almost be like, man, if, if, if I mean, because I think a lot of times when people, you know, they when they think about waiting tables, they think of all the bad stories. But there there are a lot of good stories, too. And it, it's, I don't know about you, but whenever I go to a restaurant, I'm always like thinking three steps ahead of how I would have done things as the waiter at that table. You know, and I'm It's a little kinda, tough to go out to eat when you're in the industry I try sometimes. Not to do that. <laughs> it's hard. You try not to. But yet at the same time, you're like, man, you know, you want to like I've, I've actually pulled people aside and said, hey, you might want to try this, this or that next time. This is what I think will help you sure. get more, you know, and I'll, I'll give them a nice tip because I'm, you know, I'm one of those 20 yeah, percent guys. I don't you know, I yeah. hate it because I mean, I recognize the game and, and what's required yeah. to do this. Yeah, on that's a how people are basis. making their living. So. Absolutely. Learning and uh, knowing. What not to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But so. I mean, some people just kind of treat it haphazardly as if it's like a stepping stone. But I, I remember when I was in going to school at, at Howard University in Washington, D.C., I mean, there were people that this was their profession. Yes. Well, right. that's something that's a lost art. Hospitality as a career is, um, you know, I think a lot of people, like you said, use it as like, oh, I'm trying to get through college and I'm going to be an accountant or I'm getting my business degree or I'm going for whatever, you know, I'm getting through med school waiting tables or whatever it is. Um, but there's a section of, of, of the industry where there's lifers there, you know, and it's not like where you think, oh, man, that guy like burnt out and just became a waiter for the rest of his life. I mean, you can honestly make a very good living yeah. and have a very lengthy career in the service industry, the hospitality industry. And there's so many avenues to that, um, you know, but it's it's a lost art in a way because, you know, there are a lot of people that just do it temporarily and maybe don't put their heart in it or it's not, you know, in their blood to do it. But then there's that other sector, which I think is something that we, you know, especially like Danielle, 
uh, we the restaurant wouldn't be what it is. You know, right. I could be doing exactly what I'm doing, and if we had somebody else up here instead of her, um, frankly, it, it it would be totally different and probably nowhere near as good because you know it's really her attention to detail and her personality that really brings a lot of the stuff we do to life so yeah. it's very very important just trying to keep me around just <laughs> no, kidding. right he's saying all the right things but i mean that's i mean that's part of the overall experience it's not just the food especially when you go to a good restaurant and you can and you're you're being waited on and, and taken care of by someone that's paying attention to every detail. Yes. It right. makes a huge difference. And we like to acknowledge that like you're coming into this space and sitting at these tables to connect with your community. So like you hear that in yoga all the time, right. but I try to carry it into this space as well. Yeah. And that's not always easy to do. And like no. you were saying to me earlier, Jason, you were saying how, you know, you guys have one sitting a night Correct. and um, the goal is really to get people to come in here and to kind of, you know, un- really relax. Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's a two to, two to three plus hour meal. You know, we do anywhere from six to 10 courses a night. It's typically averaging around seven, eight. And, you know, that's not a a quick meal so you know hopefully your company is good um but <laughs> otherwise it's rough <laughs> uh, you know one thing that's interesting is like and we've even like kind of i don't want to say complained about it but we don't get a whole lot of like you know there's some restaurants where you look and their stories on instagram are filled with like 40 posts a night of people tagging and pictures and you know we get a handful but we don't get a lot and at first i was kind of like you know are we doing something wrong why are people not posting online and now i'm realizing i think it's because you know maybe it just makes you put the phone down for a little bit yeah and you know absorb into your company and if you're here with some friends you're enjoying that you know two and a half three hours to actually just be able to focus on them and let us kind of tend to you um and you just kind of you know it's like a movie or something you go in and you know you don't really have to break character once you're in here you're kind of in here you know and the playlist is right and the, the vibe is right and the lights are right and the service is right and the food is okay you know <laughs> uh and um you know, hopefully it just kind of like takes you to a, to a little bit of a different place. And, um, you know, maybe that's why it's like you, you kind of forget about that cell phone or those Instagram posts for a little bit. And that's kind of nice. Yeah. You know, and obviously in this day and age, it's, it's kind of good to disconnect if you will, even for just a minute or two. So. It's very, very uh, hard to get people to pull away from that. So oh, yeah, I myself guess. included. No, I know <laughs> we're all guilty of it. So, so talk a little bit about, um, you know, just the 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 mindset and the motivation behind the menu. Um, how, how often are you changing what you're serving, and and how much of your menu? Like, for instance, I I met with Matt Cooper, and he had some great things to say about you. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, I love Matt. Yeah, Matt's, he's a good guy. Matt's really really and his good guy. food is ridiculous. Yeah, I and love when that I, guy. And to know that everything is gluten free, it's just. That takes it to a whole nother level because he's getting pretty creative there uh, with the stuff. Oh, he's that comes got out probably of one of the busiest restaurants in Northwest Arkansas, and to do that all gluten free is is insanely difficult. <laughs> it is, it is difficult. Really so, cool. So, so what um, what are some of the things that motivate your menu, and and how are you are are, are you tying it into the local movement with regard to what's available here as a as a sustainable resource? Yeah, I mean we're doing. So, so we're changing the menu, um, usually at least monthly. Um, some dishes stay on a little longer than a month, depending on the season. Some don't stay on, but weeks, some are gone 
in a night. Um, mm-hmm. It just kind of depends. But, you know, typically on average, I'd say the menu changes three weeks, every three weeks to a month. Okay. Um, and, you know, maybe there's something that's really, really banging and it's still in season and we keep it on a little longer. Um, but, yeah, it's really the ingredients that, uh, that, that, that motivate the menu. We're not a, I don't know, like an R&D restaurant or something. Like, we don't sit there and try something over and over and over till it's perfect. And then it's like six months later, it goes on the menu. It's kind of more like, oh, look, there's some carrots. Let's put those on the menu tonight in some way. And then, you know, maybe by like the third week they're on, they're a little better than the first night. But, um, I mean, yeah, we, we, we don't, we're, we're pretty improvisational with the food. It's more just, um, I guess like a, a slight, I don't really know what, what the motivation is, but I think the ingredients are definitely the driver for the creativity. And then we just kind of come from there and utilize, you know, experience and what flavors, at least in my mind, work together. And then that's how a dish is born. So, I mean, we had a, we had a, an incident last week where we were supposed to get some, some seafood and it didn't show up and we didn't find that out till like two in the afternoon. And we had a different dish on by six that night. And that dish it was pretty good. Uh, it's better now. And, you know, now it's like going to be on the menu for the next at least couple weeks. Uh, it was a favorite it, that night. Yeah. People loved <laughs> what it. What was that dish? It was, a, it was a sweet potato gnocchi with chorizo and uh, some, some other things, some like rosemary cream. And um, we kind of tweaked it a little bit uh, after that night. And then the seafood showed up. Um, so now we kind of just added it in. So that'll be on the menu, this, this gnocchi with chorizo and uh, rosemary and... Uh, I don't even know what else is on that dish anymore. I can't remember, but um, but it's good. Yeah, we you know we've been open like six and a half, seven months, and I mean there's been there's a lot of dishes. I started thinking about how many you know things we've put on and taken off and mm-hmm. tried, and it, it's it's a lot. I mean it's more than you know, not knocking anyone, but it's more than a lot of restaurants would put on in years. So how, do you keep track of those, or do you kind of keep an inventory of what you've created just in case you want to come back to it later, or is it just is it more? I'm honestly not as good about that as I should be. I had a friend who was here, a chef friend of mine who was here for Roots Fest back in okay. in August, named Scott Weingard, and he he runs a restaurant called Farm Spirit in Portland, Oregon, and uh, I, I kind of mentioned to him we were talking a little about same thing, and he was like, "Man, well, I'll give you a piece of advice. You should start writing those things down, just because later, you know." when when someone wants to do a cookbook or whatever you know you're gonna wish that you had that stuff and um so he definitely had me thinking about it um i have a notebook with okay very bare minimum <laughs> well we tell them like ingredients you know, we, yeah, yeah we try yeah. like a dish usually like right before service or something and it's like let them try it to see what's going on so they can help describe it or give any feedback that was my favorite part of the night when i was serving (laughs) at a restaurant every good and that's the mark of a good restaurant any restaurant that you're working at if you're waiting or working in the front of the house and they don't let you test the food beforehand they're hiding something they're hiding (laughs) they are hiding something right go sell this it's not very good pretend that it is yeah 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 absolutely so well we're just a tight-knit group you know it's myself and danielle and you know, then we have three other people that work here total. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, we want everybody, if everybody's behind it, then we usually know that it's pretty good or, you know, we'll take feedback from, from everybody, you know, that needs maybe 
more acid or more salt or whatever it is, you yeah. know, and we're not like egomaniacs in the kitchen or anything. So we'll do it if it's, if it's necessary. Yeah. So I, and I'm curious, is it, is it, is it a hassle or is it a challenge for you when you, when you get people that come in that have certain food allergies? Cause I mean, obviously that's more Ooh. prevalent now, nowadays than it was ever before. I mean, it's, um, you'd be lying. I think any, I think any chef would be lying if they said that it wasn't somewhat difficult to keep up with. Uh, that said, I can, you know, bitch about it behind the scenes all I want, <laughs> but it goes back to, we are in the hospitality right. industry. And I think there's a large portion of like fine dining these days. that's kind of like no substitutions, especially for the menus that we do. Like we do one menu a night. So, you know, we don't have, you know, it's like maybe in a normal restaurant, you've got a salmon dish, a chicken dish, a, a pork dish, and you're like, hey, I don't eat pork. Could you replace it with some chicken? No problem. Right. Well, here, it's like we have one menu a night, so we don't have a pork dish sitting around if we have chicken on the menu or whatever. And if you go, oh, I don't like chicken, I'd rather have pork, we don't just have, like, another dish to kind of, like, substitute that. So when someone says, hey, you know, I'm uh, allergic to dairy or whatever – we 100% always accommodate that mm -hmm. always. Uh, that could mean that we literally cook almost an entirely separate menu for them just because maybe like four of eight courses have dairy in them and it's a main component or, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, vegan, we do it. Gluten-free, we do it. Uh, Dairy-free, we do it. Anything, we do it. Um, and I think that's just the mark of like, a, a better time in food when it was like, you know, oh, you want spaghetti and meatballs? Like, let me make that for you real quick. You know, you're not into that, like, fancy foie gras? What would you like? Yeah. Oh, your kid's here with you? Let me cook something for them. Oh, yeah. you need a freaking steak for your dog who's waiting in the hotel room? I got you. Yeah. You know, it's like, y y that's that's a, that's something that, you know, I think a lot of places these days have kind of moved away from, and that's where the ego of chef sort of takes over, and it's like, well, you'll eat what I make, or, yeah. you know, go somewhere else, you know, and I think that's um, that's a mistake, I think, you know, Absolutely. so, so yeah, we can, like, you know, kind of joke about complaining about it, but the reality is, um, you got to do it. Yeah, you got to do it. And you got And the thing is when you do it and you do it like with some sort of intention, you don't just like go, "Oh, well, you know, here's like a Oh, you're vegan, here's like a portobello sandwich or whatever." Yeah. Um, you know, some roasted red bell peppers. You do on. like mushrooms, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, people get really really stoked and it 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 like makes their day, you know. Um, and that's what it's about really. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, that that uh, that goes without saying, and that creates the lure, you know, for every organization, every restaurant is is if you go above and beyond for the customer, uh, the client, whatever, fill in the blank. I mean, people talk about they do, and uh, you know, I think that's an important lesson to learn. Period. You know, we, if we could just all be a little, a little cooler to each other. Period. Um, you know, I think that would change a lot like don't get mad i don't I, it's not my fault that you don't like gluten or you know it's not your fault you're allergic to gluten or right. you know you can't tolerate dairy like you know if it's a dislike just tell us you know like seafood's one we get a lot of put i don't want to say a lot of pushback but you know people don't love seafood and a lot of times they don't say that and then like maybe we'll serve some seafood and like oh like i tried but it's just not my thing right like i'd rather you just be like hey man i don't like seafood yeah. you know what we'll we'll figure out something that you will like because we want you to leave you know, happy. That's the thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what are some of the, um, 
some of the local resources that you really rely on. Mm. I know that um, Chef Chef Matt was, you know, he was he talked about a lot of the different local farms that he yes. constantly goes back to over and over again. And he was kind enough to mention some of them. But what what are some of the local resources that you really rely on? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, the nice thing, you know, for Matt especially, like Preacher Son is busy, and they're. I, I don't want to put a number on how many seats they have, but it's a fair number of seats, you know? Um, and, and most of the restaurants around town are, you know, 50 at least seats and up We're 18 seats and up to 20. So, uh, we don't have really the ability to like order things by case or in large quantities. So, um, we, we definitely shop like the Fayetteville farmer's market is kind of my go-to. Um, I live, you know, we, we live in East Springdale. So that's like the, the kind of, closest market and it's in my opinion still my favorite um i also spend an absorbent amount of time and money in ozark natural foods the co-op in fayetteville because they have a really strong uh well everything there is organic one or or you know they don't sell anything that's crap and two like they have a lot of local produce and sometimes we just can't call a farmer and be like, Hey, would you drive all the way to Rogers to <laughs> deliver me three pounds of carrots? Right. You know, right. so, uh, the co-op, you know, has those relationships. Yeah. They maybe mark it up a little, but I don't really mind paying for that because it's also like the co-op is locally owned and owner owner or customer owned as well. So, you know, I, I I'll go in there and pay whatever a buck or two more a pound for something, but that goes to the farmer. It goes to the community. It goes to the people who work there. And I, I, you know, and I don't mind that. So, um, like we get like our dairy, uh, we use either like Edgewood creamery milk and they're right across the border in Missouri. I just buy that through the co-op because I don't, I can't buy cases. We use Ozark mountain creamery, heavy cream, uh, which is what we use to like make our butter. Um, and a lot of our kind of dairy driven desserts will have some of their cream in it when it's available. They only come off of a very small amount of it. A lot of it goes to the co-op. I try to just buy it all from them. Um, so probably would it be cheaper to maybe call and get it directly from them? Yes, but I like being able to buy it through the co-op and just like, I don't, I don't mind throwing that extra buck or two to them. Um, so, you know, and then of course, like Rios family farm, the guys who own Yeos, uh, Rafael Rios and his family, um, you know, especially in the summer months, like we haven't been buying quite as much from them lately, but in the summer, they just, tomatoes are the best. They've got some really amazing produce and, if you haven't eaten a Yeos, you should. So I have, and now I understand why that food is so good. So well, good. that's that's what I was going to say. Was like, it's they're growing like a good chunk of like all the stuff for their salsas, and a lot of their a lot of their ingredients are coming from their own farm, and that's why it's uh, the quality level that it is. In addition to their skill set, but yeah. Yeah. Really okay. Cool. Now this all makes sense. Where is their farm? It, well, that's the other thing. It's really close. It's like right up in uh, North Rogers here uh, on like Roller Lane. So, uh, you know, in a car, it's literally like three minutes from here and it's kind of in town, but also feels like it's in the middle of the country. And there's just like a really peaceful, good vibe there. Uh, family run everything, you know. So Raphael's father is like the one who's doing a lot of the farming, you know, and brothers and and just everybody's involved and uh 
they're you know they're selling probably a majority of their stuff either keeping it for themselves mm-hmm. for their for their own businesses or selling to like Matt Cooper uh some of the Bentonville restaurants and then you know once again we're just small so oh, can I get a couple bunches of this right. or whatever um and and usually especially in like the spring and summer months when the farm stuff is really pumping strong you know that's kind of the stuff that really is the makeup of the menu you know it's more just me texting somebody and saying, Hey, what do you have? Or going to the co-op and looking at the produce and saying, okay, this looks great. Where's it from? Oh, it's from Leitner farm or whatever, you know, villains farm, whatever. And I think that's one of the nice things about the co-op is that if more, more than any other place outside of a farmer's market, a local farmer's market, you're going to, it's an actual store where you can get a lot of produce. And yes. Local, local it's item. pretty much the only like fully local slash like organic. I mean, we definitely do shop at Whole Foods a little bit too. We have to shop retail for pretty much everything minus like Jeff you know, Bezos. Thanks you. Yes, he does. <laughs> and you know, um, it's, you know, we'll, and we'll support any farmer that we can. I always say like, if the product is better than what I can find locally, we're going to use it. Yeah. Uh, if you know, there's a, better cut of meat or something that I can order from someone that I know or I've worked with. I'll I'll sometimes, not always, but I'll sometimes go with that just because quality is really, you know, we want to serve the best. And if that means that it was grown a mile away, that's the best of all worlds. If it's grown 200 miles away, well, that's fine. If it's a thousand miles away, it's not as cool, but occasionally you got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. So with with your skill set and ability and what you've what you have been able to do in your career, um, have you found a way to kind of encourage the next generation to get involved from a culinary standpoint? Is that, is that even, I mean, and it doesn't I mean, have to be, it doesn't, I mean, there's no judgment one way or the other, as far as that's concerned. I'm just, I'm just curious. I mean, I mean, Alex, you know, poured some stuff into you. Who, who are you, are you trying to figure out a way of how you can pour some stuff into some other folks that can, in, I mean, yes, uh, you know, I was teaching at Brightwater for a while okay. in between, like when we had the restaurant before, uh, around the corner and that closed, uh, in the interim when we were working on this, I was teaching there, um, to all the, to all the people who've emailed me and I haven't responded to, um, you know, I'm working on it. Um, it's definitely a balance, you know, and the thing is like, yes, I definitely do want to figure out a way to do that and inspire and help. Um, Brightwater was a great, great avenue for that. Um, the, the tough part is we're very, very small here. And, you know, having a bunch of people standing around that are interning or whatever is a little more difficult than in other places where they can kind of be off, like, doing tasks. Um, and it's not to say that we just don't want people to see them or something like that. It's just it gets very crowded very quickly for the yeah. staff in here. Um, and even when we've had, like, you know, somebody training a new staff member and there's like double what there'd normally be here. It gets very tight. Um, so, you know, I, I think the ways that we try to do it are through like events and, you know, encouraging people to bring, you know, maybe their teenager in if they want to eat like, and just like inspiring them through the experience. Um, and you know, eventually I'd like to do more. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, you got to pay it back a little bit and pay it forward. And, uh, you know, for, for no pressure. No, no, not at all. I think it's definitely something that's important and it's just, um, you know, we're seven months in, so we haven't quite figured out the balance of how to have it happening here yet. But, um, 
you know, I think Brightwater is definitely an avenue for for younger folks to explore locally. And do you want to just tell our audience just just a quick... Yeah, so Brightwater is the newest culinary school here in Northwest Arkansas. It's an offshoot of, of uh, Northwest Arkansas Community College, uh, definitely still in its infancy and, you know, going through its own, like, set of not growing pains, but it's, it's evolving into something. And I think they're uh, eventually going to have a very, very solid program, and the facility is mind-bogglingly... Uh, nice, probably the nicest kitchens you'll ever cook in. It's, it's beautiful. It um, beautiful. So, you know, I think, and they're doing like, you know, high school and younger classes. And, um, you know, I did a, a class there during Roots Fest where a friend, my same friend Scott and I did, taught like a class on how to like plate food, kind of make it look pretty. And a bunch of kids from the Thaden school came. And, uh, you know, now they've kind of like been asking if we want to maybe come cook lunch or something. So we're working on that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, little things that we can do uh, are very important, you know, especially in the community. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. But, um, Oh yeah, we're, we're downtown. There's yeah, a train. Yeah, it's it's, I, and I love that. And you know, it's funny. I, a lot of times, people are like afterwards, they're like, "Man, you didn't lose it. You didn't skip a beat with any noise that you heard." And I try to explain to people from an audio perspective that sometimes you have to just go with the flow of what it is. And yeah, um, man. you know that. Although I, I I doubt those trains run at night, right? So I think the last one is like six thirty or something. Okay. Now, what line is that that's running there? That's the Arkansas Missouri line. That's what I, think. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So well, that that adds some. Well, so we'll have to give them some pub and, and a shout out to the to the to the engineers on the Arkansas Missouri. Yeah, train man. And, give it that. Uh, well, so the word on the street is that if when they go through the intersection here, there's no actual. Um, cross guard or whatever you call right. that and so they have to honk their horn a certain amount of times yeah to like alert people and eventually i think the city's working on putting some guards there so it'll it'll, it'll probably calm down oh i'm sure a little bit well, that's I mean, okay i mean there I mean, are some uh some apartments in the back of this building too so oh that's okay you know and okay. they're right on the train line right, so you know it's right. kind of the charm of living downtown yeah. i no. use the word charm loosely yeah <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that so um no i love that so I think you've answered you've answered most of my questions here. I, I guess the the real question that I have is um, what what's next for you guys? And when I say next, I use that loosely because I recognize that this is still in the early stages, and you've 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 made you've been very careful to mention that several times because you know you're still kind of figuring things out as far as what you guys want to do. But what is next? With all, did you think it was going to be this exciting? Danielle, please. This is for either of you. I mean, what's next? World domination. <laughs> oh, wow. No. Um, That's... It was pretty shocking the first day we launched reservations. We thought we were going to get a slow trickle of <laughs> bookings, and it went pretty quickly. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, we just want to take our time. You know, we don't really... Like, we're pretty confident in what we're doing. We feel like it's good. I feel like it's better now than it was, you know, when we opened it yeah. seven months ago or whatever. And I think hopefully in another month it'll be better. And in seven months it'll be better. And, you know, hopefully that's the trend. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, this might be the only restaurant we ever do. It might not be. There's other things we want to do. But this restaurant is Danielle and I and the, 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 the people that are with us here. Um, 
you know, so the five people that work here, including us, are the restaurant. So one of us goes down, one of us gets sick, one of us needs to travel. You know, it's almost like, well, we're going to probably close a restaurant down or cancel the reservations for that night or whatever, just because, you know, it's not one of those things where it's like, well, call, you know, Bobby in and let, yeah. let him do it. Right. Um, so, you know, do we have ideas and get approached about other things? Definitely. Um, but I, I don't think either one of us want to ever do anything for like money or whatever, just to do it at the detriment of this. So, yeah. You know, if something else comes along that's the right thing, who knows? Maybe this goes away completely. Maybe it's maybe that other thing never happens. So yeah. we can keep focusing on this. You know, it's just, but kind of like you said with the podcast, you know, if things happen, you just keep rolling with it. I think mm -hmm. that's sort of our, <clears throat> I'm not tied to anything. You know, yeah. I love the restaurant. I love what we're doing. I'm proud of it. But also, like, if it went away tomorrow, something else would happen, you know, and that's just kind of how life is, I think. So, um, you can't get too tied down to stuff. And I think that's kind of our philosophy with like the dishes on the menu and everything else. They come and they go and, you know, when they're here, they're great. And when they're gone, There's that's just else. it. There's something yeah. else. I don't yeah. even, you know, we can't, we can't think about that stuff as well, much. It comes up. We're here. We're being yeah. present and trying to just do better every every service every day yeah it's just the little little increments to get better and the details you know and eventually who knows what will happen from that but i think you know we just we just want to keep getting better and if anybody takes notice of that or like whatever you know great if they don't we'll just be here doing the work and that's kind of the that that's that's just sort of how it's going to be okay i i respect that <laughs> I, I mean like i said there, there have been several um magazine articles about you guys and you know word is on the street so people know and i think that's that's half the battle right i mean it is it, it's and that's something that i think is just we're, we're lucky and very uh, appreciative of that people have embraced it the way that they have and you know it's kind of like when you do a business or art or whatever it is, which is kind of a hybrid of both. You know, I think you put yourself out there. It, it's a little, you know, it's nice to feel that people are getting it or, right. or appreciate it. Um, and that, and that's very helpful to, to, to propel it forward and help you like push further. Um, so yeah, that's just, you know, hats off to the community here for, for grabbing a hold of it and really, you know, running with it. Run it. Yeah. It's yeah. really, really cool. Good. Yeah. Good. It feels really nice. Well, I certainly hope to add to the, the many numbers of people that are trying to get on your roles of, um, <laughs> uh, future guests of this wonderful establishment. Um, if somebody wants to make a reservation, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Uh, so website heirloomar.com. Okay. There's a reservations tab there. Uh, Instagram, uh, at heirloom AR, there's a, a reserve button there. There's also a, a contact button. So we release reservations like like the next round will go up 1st of December, and those will be for January, February. Uh, so, so we release like one month behind for two months ahead, basically. So so December 1st? Yeah, so we always do the 1st, and we do it at 11 a.m. So it would be like so the 1st of December for January, February, um, and then – we will basically open them at 11 a.m. They fill up insanely quickly. Um, however, we do have an option on that same 
spot on the reservation tab to join the wait list. Um, I think a lot of people get discouraged by that, but honestly, we use it a lot. Because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I tried to do that. I wasn't sure. And I said, you know, one of the goals I, I wanted, because I didn't want people to think, oh, well, he, he's doing a podcast and he hasn't tasted the food. But I actually, I mean, I know about the food quite well. And I have some very, very good friends of mine that know their way around food. So sure. they, you know, they spoke highly and I said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to, yeah, you're going to go in and I'm, I'll figure it out later. But appreciate I, that. I, I, uh, I did go on and, and try to get waitlisted and it wasn't, um, you know, I didn't, I obviously didn't get picked, but I, I would have, I would, I was wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. So. so you can put your name down for a specific date or you can just pick as many dates as you want. Um, and what happens is if somebody cancels just on their own and they go into the, our talk website and cancel, it just opens it up and it emails or texts like everybody who's on the wait list for that day. And it's oh. literally the first person who just decides to grab it. That's um, it. so okay. you know, yeah, email. Um, and, and so really, you know, we have some people that have had reservations like monthly. They just have, they've gotten the reservation, you know, and then there's people that are close to us, friends that haven't been able to get one. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the most like luck of the draw, like Ferris method, uh, the, the system we're using. It's kind <laughs> right. of like the industry standard for the sort of restaurant that we have. Um, but just to put it in perspective, you know, I manually open the reservation. So I sit there at the computer and when it, clicks 11 i open it and both danielle and i separately right at 11 tried to get reservations this last time to see mm-hmm. and neither one of us got a <laughs> reservation that's not a joke no, so, i tried really? on my phone and a laptop i and i, and I tried on no my luck. phone while watching the laptop as the reservations <laughs> just filled up um so i understand it's difficult but um you know i we just don't really know of any fair way to do it no and, no i like that I like that. So, hottest ticket in town. I mean, well, I'm certainly going to uh, make note of that in the show notes and um, share all your contact information uh, about what you're doing here and how people can find out more about heirloom and and uh, and just just all the greatness that's happening. Really appreciate that, and thanks for coming out to do this. And uh, you know, something else we do, we do private events here as well because we're a small space. So, uh, if you ever wanted like a private party for you and you know some friends or a a work group, uh, heirloom nineteen oh seven at gmail, and you can uh, email us there uh, and and address it to Danielle, and uh, you know she checks the email a couple times a week, and she'll get back to you on that. And Mm -hmm. what what days of the week are you open? Yeah, so we do reservations to the public either Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or like this last month, we opened a bunch of Wednesdays as well. Um, Wednesdays are typically a night that we usually do either for, we kind of save them for like private events or Mm -hmm. wine dinners, which we also do. And we announce those like through our Instagram and Facebook. And it's just kind of in through the wine dinners. Yeah. That's another way to kind of slide in because we'll post it on our, on our Instagram or whatever. And then we just take an email. So it's like first come first serve, you know, if you email, we get a bunch of them and you want the table, it's yours. And so we've had a lot of people come in that way too, who couldn't get in through the, through the other, other site. So, well, that's good. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, hopefully some people listening to this will get some tips and ideas about how to take advantage of, the greatness that's happening right here. <laughs> Turn in those notifications on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause Absolutely. we always do post like online kind of like leading up to the, to the reservation release date and stuff and, like that. And yeah. I'm so bad with that. I've actually turned all my notifications off because I'm not trying to be a slave to my phone. Understood. Totally understand. Like Understood. There, there's that, there's that, that, part, you know, it's, it's like, hard. If only, you know, maybe, maybe there should be a thing of selective notification, like notify me if Jason <laughs> and Danielle open up the, the guest book for, yeah. for, right. for that, but don't notify me about, 
about anything else. Just yeah, wine dinners. Yeah. Just it, just <laughs> yeah, it, so. man. No, well, listen, um, J- Chef Jason Paul and, and Danielle, thank you guys so much for having me here. I really appreciate man, it. And we appreciate it. Uh, this you. was certainly worth the wait. Um, like I said, and I tell people all the time, I mean, I've connected with just about everyone to talk about this podcast that, um, you know, I've shared what I'm doing and I've not had anyone say no to me. I've had some people say, well, not right now. I want to, you know, I do want to do it, but mm-hmm. it's going to have to be down the road. And you guys were the same way. Cause we've been going back and forth for a couple of months <laughs> yes. until we could finally get things going. And I, now I understand why, I mean, I see it. So. And I'm glad that we got it done. Yeah. Man. No, I'm cool. sure. really appreciate you so, doing no, this. I for appreciate us. that. And, and I will be, uh, waiting in eager expectation for, for, for this to continue to evolve. And I wish you guys nothing but success. And, uh, yeah. you guys uh, are, are certainly the reason why I'm doing, um, I am Northwest Arkansas because I really want people to see all the great things that are happening right here in their own backyard. And the more I get told, wow, I never knew that until I listened to your podcast, that makes it all worthwhile. Absolutely. So, yeah. So thank you guys so much. Thank, thank you. you so much. We appreciate, we appreciate you. you. Wow, that was an amazing episode with Chef Jason Paul and Danielle Rabato. I cannot wait to see what's in store for those guys in the coming months and years. Heirloom is a fabulous restaurant. Definitely want to encourage you to check it out when you get a chance. Remember, uh, you can make reservations online. You can go to their Instagram page. All this information will be in the show notes. And I want to encourage you, if you have a group that you'd like to do a private sitting with the, with uh, Chef Jason and Danielle, they will work it out for you to do that. And that actually might be the best way for you to get you and a bunch of your friends together to enjoy the amazing food at Heirloom. You will not be disappointed. And now a word from our sponsor. On the 6th of May, 1954, a gentleman named Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. It was thought at that time that it was humanly impossible for anyone to run that fast and run the mile, cover the mile in that short of a period of time. But he was able to do it. And the beauty of this is that he ran it in three minutes and 59.4 seconds. He attained that record with minimal training and while practicing to be a doctor. The crazy thing about this is that Bannister's record lasted just 46 days. Not long after that, his record was broken. All records are meant to be broken. That's why I really want to encourage you to come out to the inaugural Blue Mile time trial and put yourself up against the best runners in Northwest Arkansas on Saturday, November 16th at 9 a.m. They will be running the Blue Mile time trial on Dixieland in front of the Fastlane Amusement Center there in Lowell, Massachusetts. I really want to encourage you to be a part of this inaugural event. A good friend of mine is putting on this event and he's doing it for a good cause. Most of the proceeds raised for this legal time trial event will go back to the local community there in Lowell. That's why I think it's a great cause. They're doing some programs with the local police station there and a lot of community outreach. So any money that is put into this particular time trial race is going to go right back to the community. But it's just a great chance for you also to get out there. Any of you amateur runners, amateur speedsters out there, 
get out and time yourself against the best that Northwest Arkansas has to offer. There will be time chips put in your shoes and you will get an accurate reflection of how quickly you can run a mile from point A to point B. So I really want to encourage you to come out to the Blue Mile Time Trial on November 16th 2019 at 9 a.m. You can register online at racewizard.com. That's R-A-C-E wizard.com. We will put this information in our show notes as well. Really want to encourage you to be part of this inaugural time trial event. We think it's going to be a blast and it's not, there is no limit on ages. You can be young, you can be old. I'm going to try to get my young kids to run it. I think I'm going to run it, and I would encourage you to consider running it on November 16th. It's for a good cause. That's all I have for you today on this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I will see you next week. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.